Hello and welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur Sushi Club. I'm Woon Tan and with me today, I've got Gil Edwards, my co-host. Yay! And we've got Sarah Ross, who's the mental health maximizer. And she's here with a very, very interesting story to tell uh, about her journey and what she's got to offer. So Sarah, let's jump straight into it. Please introduce yourself. Hi. So yeah, I'm Sarah Ross. I'm the mental health maximizer, founder of a company called Your Reason to Breathe, which was really what saved me. Um, I was burnt out, stressed in the corporate world, and it got so bad that I had actually decided the date on which I would end my life. Um, And actually, a dying orphan in Vietnam showed me that I had a reason to breathe. Um, And then as I you know, healed and went through my own sort of discovery journey, then realized that, yes, I wanted to make sure that everybody else could find theirs and not ever get to the place that I had where they saw that, you know, ending their life would be a way out. Wow. Wow, Sarah, that's a pretty hard hitting to start the show, <laughs> literally to go straight in. But I'm so glad that you brought it up straight away because that is your whole reason for being now and also very much what you articulate and teach to others. So one of the things I wanted to um, to, to say, actually, is that right now, this is a very topical subject. You know, lots of people are dealing with stress unusual um, and very unusual times we're in, but very unusual triggers for their stress as well, such as for the first time possibly ever, we are in spaces with our nearest and dearest for extended periods of time. And whilst that may sound lovely when when we don't have time, when we have loads of time, (laughs) that in itself is a stressful situation, is it not? Yes, absolutely. You know, people were experiencing stress at work you know they would have had stress with the kids and stress with their partner you know spouse whatever but it was like a couple of hours in the morning the evening and now you're going 24 7 all in probably you know and for some people a very confined space Mm. with no option to go to the gym or release it in whatever way people were used to doing that And so, yeah, at the moment, you know, not only are we dealing with the same stress that they've had before, now you're adding on people are stressed because they are wearing so many different hats. You know, suddenly professional people have become homeschoolers, chefs, Mm. gardeners, Mm. you know, nurse, whatever. Um, And then on top of that, there is a lot of fear. And fears that we are not necessarily used to having, you know, the fear of, is it safe for me to go outside? Is it safe for me to go to an office, travel on a bus? You know, we in our lifetime have not had to think about questions like that. Mm. And yet here we are being told we must go back to, you know, you can now go back to work. And there will be some people for whom that is a really fearful situation in that they don't know if they want to. Mm, absolutely absolutely you know it's funny you say that about the fear thing because they are different fears even our children are going through different types of fears for the first time they're confronted with the possibility of 
their, to all intents and purposes, healthy relatives dying. I heard a young child say just the other day, um, don't do that, you might die. Yeah. You know, literally just out of nowhere. So are you finding with all these, not so necessarily new fears, but all these increased fears, how are you finding that is impacting your work? So my business was still very much face-to-face. You know, I would speak at events, I would network in person. And my whole business was, you know, the plans to go online and have online courses were, you know, at least 2021, if not further into the distance, just from my personal preference. And actually now it is, you know, putting everything so it's accessible for people at home. You know, up until the beginning of May, I think in my whole life I'd done two Facebook Lives. Oh, wow. And now you're doing them daily. And now I'm doing them daily, you know, 25 in a row. I mean, even I'm like, whoop. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. Um, But then also, but you know, and I noticed for me that mindset shift. Yes, in the last couple of weeks, I've been more busy with virtual summits and podcasts and, you know, Facebook lives on other people's shows than I was probably in the whole of January to March, which is great. But it's also, I noticed for me, it's not the same interaction. So I very much play off the energy in the room, the conversations with people, how people respond to questions that you ask Mm. them. And that's not the same interaction. Now, I know that I can provide a talk or a webinar or something like that. But what I've noticed is the reward for me is different. I don't feel as fulfilled or, you know, great about what I'm doing because it's not in a form that I would normally want to do. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, part of me is can't wait for, you know, conferences to be in person again and get on a plane and go somewhere. But I also know that the number of people that I can serve went up exponentially because of all this additional stress. Wow. That's, um, that's quite interesting that you mention that you yourself don't feel that you are giving or even you're able to impact in as, in as, in as effective a way as when you're face to face. And I think there are a few people who probably feel like that. How are you finding that wound? Because your, your business has also been um, impacted. So how, how are you finding the virtual thing working for you? I mean, most of your work I know is virtual anyway because of podcasting. But in terms of presenting to others, how's that affecting you? I mean, for a start, initially, most podcasters were, that I've been working with were podcasting face-to-face. Oh. So, so I had to quickly um, retrain everyone to podcast online using Zoom mainly. Mm. Um, even though actually in reality, Zoom is a video conferencing software. It's not really a podcasting software, um, but everyone's on Zoom. So um, we, we, get, we get used to it. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I'm finding is that um, it's much easier to get on podcasts when everyone's at home because people are not traveling. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. 
um, I'm, I'm sure, Sarah, you probably feel the same that everyone's like, that you are now being invited to more podcasts. And, <laughs> and I think people yeah. are, um, you know, starting to cotton on to how powerful podcasting is. Yeah, you know, before last, I mean, 2019, I think I did 24 podcasts in the year. Um, and I was very much trying to be more visible. And I kind of was like, you know, I had a good year, but it was hard work. You know, it was applying for podcasts and making sure that you saw all the opportunities and calls for speakers. And yes, now I wake up to invites um, from people. And you're like, yes, it's definitely become easier because people are starting podcasts, you know, ramping up the number of episodes because they know they can get people on um, at better times or, you know, they can record a few and have them kind of lined up. So, yeah. Mm, definitely I've seen the number of podcast invitations literally explode it went from virtually nothing you know and in fact podcasting wasn't even part of my marketing strategy to be honest apart from my own podcast you know this one and my own dare to be awesome podcast it wasn't even something I thought about as a marketing strategy whereas suddenly I was getting all these invitations from all over the world. So, oh, hold on a minute. There's some, there's something going on here. <laughs> there's something going on here. And now I'm, I'm actually turning people away. So, cause I, cause I physically can't fit it all in with everything else, with everything else. But, um, that, and I think you can be slightly more choosy now mm. about who their audience is. Mm. Mm. You know, before it was like, oh, it's kind of a fit. So yes, yeah, I'll do it. I'll apply. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, podcasters were looking for guests. So you would usually get on. And now it's almost they come to you and you're like, it's not really yeah. my target market. Yeah, not really. <laughs> it's it, almost to the point of, well, I have got something new. So maybe I should just, you know, try it out. <laughs> yeah we are definitely definitely um in the driving seat now but sarah i just want to take you back a bit to something you mentioned in your opening um in your opening gambit where you mentioned that you know you were kind of inspired by this dying orphan that made you realize that you actually did have a reason to breathe and you mentioned that you went through your own discovery journey to, in order to heal. And I'm just a bit fascinated by what exactly did that entail in your discovery journey? Right. So I had, up to the point where I burned out, I had spent 14, 14 and a half years in corporate uh, for some of the world's biggest companies, highly stressed most of the time. Um, and always, I, I, kind of, I liken it to you, I was a corporate junkie. I was chasing pay rise, title, or promotion pretty much all the time. Um, but I didn't have any long-term dreams, and I didn't know, you know, it wasn't like I was dreaming of being, you know, the CEO of Apple or something like that. It was literally just, what is the next step on the ladder? Is it going to take me there? Am I on the right ladder? Um, should I go to another company? Those were the questions that I would ask myself. And when it came to, you know, I have this epiphany moment with the orphan and I suddenly realized I can't do it on my own. And for the very first time, 
And it was always something I had struggled with. I had to ask somebody for help. And as it turned out, the only business card I had in my wallet that night was for a man who I hated with a passion that I've never really hated much in my life. But I hated him so much. That sounds extremely interesting <laughs> to the point that we can't just gloss over that. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, okay. we can't kind of, because I'm kind of feeling that you're going to turn around and say that he's now your husband. Right? <laughs> no, 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 no. We might be friends, but no, 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 no. But um, also, how, how did you end up in, in Vietnam uh, volunteering okay. for an orphanage? So I... I basically took a redundancy package, severance package, because I was basically never at my desk. Um, I had migraines 25 days a month. So if I got out of my bed and got to the sofa, that was a good day. And in all that time, you know, during a migraine, you're basically, for me, I'm in the dark. I can't see properly. I'm usually quite sick. And my head, my inner chatter would just run wide. You're a failure. You're not even at work you know, nobody needs you around anyway, because you're never there. And that had kind of led to, you know, this had been going on for like two or three years. And this led to the point where just after my 37th birthday, I was like, I'm not going to see my 38th, I'm done. Mm -hmm. But I was also conscious that I wanted to say goodbye to people. Not that anybody knew what my plan was. So I had chosen a date about six months into the future that wasn't going to be somebody's birthday, anniversary, oh ruin Christmas. It was like, it was very logical because as, as long as I had a plan, I was in control. And I basically, in that six months, did everything so that people thought my life was okay. So I was still going to personal development conferences. I was, I was, I was having a website built. I was having my speaker reel put together both of which I knew would never, ever see the light of day because they were due to launch after the date that I had chosen. And I'd gone to be, I'd gone to this course in LA called Speaker Accelerator to be the best speaker you could be. And so everyone's like, oh yeah, you know, this, this life outside of corporate is amazing and everything. And I was just like, as long as you think that, you don't know what's going on in my head. So, and the only person that knew about that date was me. Nobody else knew. And so I get to Speaker Accelerator, and on the final day, we have training from Bernard Hiller, who is one of LA's top acting coaches. And he's there to make you be more authentic on stage. Now, at this point, I'm a corporate trainer. I put on my suit. suited and booted and this robot goes on stage there's no humor I read the powerpoint presentation and he basically breaks me down bit by bit to make me be a more authentic speaker but the problem for me was he was quite intuitive and so he made a few comments during the day that made me believe he knew what I was thinking and what my plan was and that scared me because if he could see it, what if everybody could see it? You know, and nobody was just like mentioning it. It's like, oh, if we don't mention it, maybe it'll be okay. And so when he left that day and we sat and he made me sit with him at lunch and 
he invited me to be part of his acting masterclass in Paris. And I was like, no, I'm going to Vietnam. And Vietnam had been somewhere that I had gone for a couple of weeks to volunteer because I wasn't sure I could do it mentally. I knew I could do it physically. And I had found this place where it was just peaceful. Um, You know, I could give all the love that was in my heart to these children. Um, I could still build Lego towers. I could still paint nails. And I wasn't a failure there. And so that's why I ended up back there at the end. Because it was like, you know what, if I'm going to, I'm going to end it anywhere, then here is, you know, somewhere that it's, I feel at peace that this would be the place to do it. Um, And so, yeah, so I go through this couple of months there until Christmas Day. You know, it's Christmas Day that that dying orphan basically saves my life. Um, And Bernard's card is the only one that's in my wallet that night when I know that I need to ask somebody for help. And I kind of sat there and it was like, okay, universe, I think this is the, you know, when you like delete a file on your computer and up pops that little box. Are you sure? Are you sure? (laughs) Yeah. I was, I was convinced that this was the universe having an, are you sure moment with me in that the only person I could ask for help was him and I didn't like him. And it was kind of that, are you sure? So I wrote him an email asking for help, but not telling him my kind of mental state. I just said, I really want to be the best speaker I can be. Will you help me? And in my head was, if he says yes, I'll go down this new path. And if he says no, it doesn't matter because I've still got my plan. Um, and the answer came back, yes. And so, wow, yeah. But it was another six months of working with him and going to classes before I actually told the story of what had actually been going on and what I had been planning to do in front of a class of 50 students and him. Um, Mm. Because I had got to a place, A, where I could open up about it and that I felt safe to tell the story. Wow. Sarah? (laughs) Wow. Well... (laughs) I think your story just highlights even further, you know, how so many of us can walk around and look as if we're functioning, as if we're doing the do, when, you know, there's absolute chaos and anguish going on on the inside. And this is why it's so important to pay attention. It's so important to be able to reach out to another person and to, and to not just for you to be able to reach out, but for the other person to be acceptable, accessible and receptive. And intuition plays a huge part, certainly in the entrepreneurs and business owners that I um, end up working with, because as an intuitive and an empath myself, you know, they're, they're just the ones that are drawn to me. And I'm always amazed when I hear people's stories like yours, where they just seem perfectly normal on the outside but there's hell going on on the inside and we kind of alluded earlier on to you then going on this whole discovery journey this whole healing um journey for for anyone that's going through what you were going through back then Sarah what kind of tips resources can you offer them that helped you at the time 
so the ver- the very first thing was to ask for help mm. um, and actually tell somebody, you know, and I didn't want to speak to family or friends um, because it was still playing into this fear of disappointing somebody and the fear of admitting to failure and struggling. And I didn't want people to do that. Now, I wasn't in a place, you know, there was no nowhere in Vietnam that I could call somebody. Um, you know, but now, you know, I will regularly post in my Facebook group, you know, the numbers for people, uh, whether it's the Samaritans or Mind, so that people do have easy access to those numbers. But the biggest thing that really kind of, there was always that moment a bit like when, um, when someone's having a heart attack and they put the paddles on them to, you know, shock the heart again, that actually that for me came down to smiling more. And the very first exercise um, that Bernie actually had me do was write a list of things that used to bring me joy. And I couldn't really write this list. I was like, joy, what's that? And then, you know, and it was, you know, I work with clients and it's now called Priority Happy, but it comes down to right, doing things that actually put a smile on your face. And whether that is, you know, for me, I rediscovered my, my camera, uh, sunrise and sunset that I hadn't seen for months and reading. You know, this was the girl who, uh, you know, throughout school had five or six books on her bedside table, was always in the library. You know, I was ne- if we were going in a car journey, even if we were just going to the dentist five minutes away, I still had a book in my hand. And I realized during that whole burnout period, I'd never picked up a book. Three years, I hadn't read a book. And that next weekend, literally found the English-speaking bookshop in Hanoi, you know, and bought seven books. Wow. And then made myself every day. And it, and it was made myself for the first few weeks, read a chapter every day because it was so alien to me to pick up a book. And then it got to two or three chapters a day. And then it was, it became non-negotiable that my day included 30 minutes of reading. And because, you know, you're pulling in memories of childhood. You know, I remember sitting in a grassy meadow with a book and an apple, you know, those memories you start recalling it's the muscle memory but it also just stops the body producing cortisol because it realizes you've picked up a book you must be safe so the body then starts producing endorphins oxytocin serotonin you know um dopamine Dopamine, and that then helps the body to heal so even just a couple of minutes a day whether it's, you know, like me reading or taking pictures, whether it's, you know, those funny videos on YouTube, the ones that make you laugh <laughs> so hard, you yeah. know, <laughs> save them in a playlist because guaranteed if you are feeling down, stressed, just give yourself five minutes and go and watch a couple of those videos and the impact of just a small dose of those happy hormones will lift your whole day. Mm. I really identify with that because for me, when I find that I'm getting too, when I'm getting overwhelmed or too intense about things, it's cat and dog videos for me. 
I just watched those and they just absolutely, honestly, they just, <laughs> they transport me to another world. Cat and dogs, it's just hilarious. hilarious. Yeah, I've been, I've been watching some. <laughs> <laughs> they are been, really good. I've been watching ones where parents are getting kids, like their, their first puppy. Oh, oh so. you see exactly. <laughs> oh, well, that's just things. I mean, how can you be upset or stressed when you're watching those? Do you know on Twitter, on Twitter on Saturdays, it's actually called Catterday on Saturday. Catterday on Twitter, yeah. So if you put in hashtag Catterday, you literally all these cat videos just come out. They are hilarious. They keep us entertained for hours. So um yeah, it's um, definitely something, like you say, to help release those happy hormones. I think what's yeah. really interesting is that you had to, you had to sort of re- re-energize that muscle memory to, to have fun and enjoy the reading, which obviously yeah. it's, a, it's something that you clearly enjoy, but you haven't been doing for such a long time that you had to, you had to train yourself to do it. And to me, that's the, that's the bit that, for me is really mind-blowing because it's it shows how deep you were in 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 your sort of burnt out Mm. and 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 it it also shows people how the recovery process looks for you yeah and i find that very very um very interesting and also very insightful for especially for anyone who's going through a tough time Uh, i think there's a lot that um that you've been sharing there. Mm, definitely, definitely. So I'm going to kind of segue a little bit here, Sarah. Go for what it. What on earth has all of this got to do with sushi? <laughs> <laughs> well, probably not a lot. <laughs> but isn't today quite an important anniversary today for you? Today is an important anniversary today. So today is actually 15 years since I had my first piece of sushi. Really? In a little restaurant in Tokyo. Oh, wow. wow. I've never even realised you can have such an anniversary. No. <laughs> I, was gonna, well, I think this is our first one, actually, Woon, is it? The, we've actually had someone, this is our first guest on our Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast who is celebrating their sushi anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> so what can we say apart from happy sushi anniversary? <laughs> yeah, happy sushi hey. anniversary. <laughs> and, you know, at the end of the day, I think we have Facebook to thank because, you know, they reminded me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was. Um, I was very fortunate to be seconded to Tokyo for six months with Walmart, um, and one of the team decided took it on himself that for the first month that we were there, he would take us somewhere different for lunch every single day, mm, nice. so that we could a experience more than just the fast food that was around the office, but that we would be able to go to places and order things and not kind of order strange and not know what we were getting. Um, and so he started, you know, with some very simple things and then asked us if we were open to try sushi. And I had gone to Tokyo and was like, well, I don't think so. That raw fish thing, hmm, maybe, maybe not. And he took us to this little restaurant, had maybe six tables 
and it was a very standard came on a wooden plate with chopsticks you know as traditional as it comes and it was six pieces and it was yeah salmon tuna uh shrimp omelet and the other two i can't remember but i remember clearing the plate (laughs) oh wow Um, and then a week later he took us and because it was all fairly simple you know it didn't trigger for me this is raw fish it was just these different flavors and i was i was kind of gone at that point it's like I love it oh Oh, my goodness I want it every day (laughs) and then the next week he took us to a restaurant where you actually chose your own fish Mm. and so then the sushi platter arrives and it's slightly bigger but in the middle is a fish on a chopstick (laughs) and all this and and that pushed me to the other end of I know it's fish, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't need to see it. (laughs) Love it. Love it. So 15 years later, you're still enjoying sushi. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your favorite? Um, I've always been quite a purist Mm. Um, in shrimp nigiri is my go to um but if we're going a little bit avant-garde then tempura prawns uh, in like a california roll would also be up there yeah everyone everyone loves a california roll don't they boo everyone who comes on seems to really love california hers is tempura prawn yeah i know can you i'm I'm going to sushi gourmet today we're very fortunate we've got um We've got two, actually, um, two sushi gourmet franchises in two fairly local supermarkets, one in Waitrose and one in Sainsbury's. So we get some, and it's all freshly made. Mm. So it looks, yeah. like I'll be, looks like I'll be heading there today. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sarah, before we go, before we wrap up, um, and before we leave the topic of sushi as well, one of the things that quite a few of our guests have um likened their love of sushi to is also their business in terms of how they relate do you have any similar insights for us in terms of how sushi and your business are you know relatable so to speak what what has sushi taught you what has sushi taught you I like that <laughs> what has sushi taught me uh... Definitely that wasabi is stronger than you think. Ooh, nice. <laughs> and so when you were saying, what does sushi taught me? It's like, I think when I speak, my talks are a little bit like sushi. Mm. That you can put a different title on it and you can put, you know, you can have a little layer of wasabi or something else. Um, but underneath is always this foundation, the real basics around are people happy are they safe um are they living a life of purpose and that to me you know if i go with my shrimp nigiri my rice is that you know create helping people to create that foundation Mm. on which they can put the topping that they want onto it but until you get that base right there is nothing to build on that's so true that's so true. I say that all the time, even in my own business, you know, personal branding um, and communications, that unless you get that base level, in my case, it's that identity, you can have the greatest funnel, you can have the 
fanciest logo. You can even bring out the shiniest products. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't yeah. mean anything. Mm. Oh, what a lovely oh. morning it's been. <laughs> Woon, would you like to wrap, wrap us up with anything in particular? Yeah, I, I was going to ask you. So, Sarah, so you have a Facebook page, Your Reason to Believe. Mm. Tell us more. What, what, what are sort of things that you share in your group? So Your Reason to Breathe is really where people can get insights, inspiration, tips and tools around how to deal with burnout, stress. Um, it's a positive place where, you know, those pick-me-ups like for me, the reading, um, that's the sort of thing that's on there. Um, but during May, we're doing Maximize Your Mental Health, which is, you know, tips every day around, you know, we're following the theme of Mental Health Awareness Week, which was last week, but also, you know, just those things that sometimes we don't think about, like, you know, today. And it's been inspired. So my coach set me the task of doing it. And before May, I hadn't really done any Facebook Lives. Um, and then we're now, we've done 25. Um, and it, I do have a list of what it's going to be on, but usually just before inspiration will come and I'll do something completely different. Mm. <laughs> exactly. Amazing. Do you know what, Sarah? It has been an absolute pleasure just listening to you talk, not just about where you've come from and, you know, and the vulnerability of that journey, but just how much hope you have for the future and how you're using those experiences to now help other people as well. Yeah. So, you know, thank you. That's all I can say. I'm just so, so grateful that you accepted our invitation to be on our podcast and that you shared so much of yourself with us. Uh, thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, well, it was on, it was on my, you know, 300 list. When oh, of guys, course. When, yeah. you guys, when you guys announced that you were going to do the sushi podcast, it was like, I'm going to be on any podcast. They want to be on that one. <laughs> Fantastic. So, yeah, thank you so much to be, you know, to be sharing your story here. And I'm sure all the listeners will really enjoy and take lots of uh, inspiration from your story. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And that is the Entrepreneur Sushi Club. And we look forward to seeing you in our next episode. Bye.